From the alleyoops at Kizar to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cutback. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time, and we're going to be talking about targets for the 49ers at the edge position, which could be a big position of need with D. Ford possibly being out for the season. Horst, is this going to be exciting or what? Yeah, this is a huge position for the 49ers because they clearly showed that they need a good pass rush to get to the playoffs and Super Bowl in 2019. So they need to get back to that dominant pass rush. Even if D Ford is playing, I wouldn't be shocked to see them take an edge rusher high for two reasons. One would be D Ford's getting older, injuries, contract, all that stuff. And two would just be as a rotation piece because I don't think they're going to be able to uh, keep Kerry Hyder around because of the money that someone else is going to come around and offer him. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see an edge rusher in the first two, three rounds out of the Niners. Uh, I definitely can see in the first couple of rounds an edge rusher coming in. Um, I know there's some people who are not high on that, 49ers fans out there that are not big on that idea. Um, but Shanahan has shown that the, the edge position on defense, the speed off that edge, um, can cover up a lot of potential issues that you have in the secondary. And it, it can be something that you can focus on and replenish and replace as talent starts to grow and get bigger and require and demand bigger contracts and salaries where you can try and bring in young, quick guys who have some of the tools and the skill sets needed to continue to be a presence off the edge. Um, and your defense can stay elite that way. Uh, you have to hit on those pieces, obviously, if you want to right. go that route. Uh, but it's doable. It's possible, um, and this 49 team is definitely going to be considering it going into this draft because this draft class is loaded with edge rushers. Yeah, this isn't exactly the year to get an offensive lineman. I mean, when you're going, when you're looking at teams now, they're built to the quarterback, and then either someone to protect the quarterback or someone to rush the quarterback. And this one is not about protecting the quarterback as much. This one is about rushing the quarterback. The 49ers over the last few years, especially especially in the Shanahan um, Lynch you know, tenure like you talked about, is all about defensive line from Solomon Thomas to Javon Kinlaw to Nick Bosa. They've taken chances on linemen. So it's always a value pick for them. This could be a value pick for them again as early as 12 or throughout the draft. And that's what we're gonna talk about today is targets through every single round, letting everyone know who are targets for the 49ers and who they should be watching when the draft comes around. Yeah, nope, no more of this talking about any Joe Schmo top of the, no, focusing on the guys the Niners need to target in this right. upcoming draft because at the, the end of the day, that's, that's who we care about the most. It is. Honesty, uh, who the Niners are going to go after. So before we get into this, make sure you hit that like button, smash that notification bell while you're at it as well. That way you get notified every single time these videos are coming out. Remember, every Tuesday we're covering players in the draft from now until draft week, okay? And then every day we've been having daily uploads, so you don't want to miss it. You want to hit that notification bell, like the video as well. Comment down below how excited you are right now to get this thing started. 
Let's get into this. And stick around because this is going to go all the way from first round talent through seventh and even undrafted free agents. We're going to have everyone that the 49ers should and could be interested in. So of the first round guys, there's a group of what, four or five guys that people are projecting could go in the first round. Oh, yeah. um, I'll let you guys name who you are intrigued by yourselves. But well, I think let's just put those names out okay. there and then let's and let's decide who the guys are that the 49ers are actually going to be interested so in. So the four guys looking that look like they're going to go in the first round right now are Quiddy Pay out of Michigan, Aziz Ojolari out of Georgia, Jalen Phillips out of Miami, and Gregory Russo also out of Miami, which is kind of interesting. Um, now, we've all heard my opinion that I think Quiddy Pay is not too great of a player. But um, what's your what's uh, your guys' opinion? Who out of that group is your number one guy for the 49ers? Uh, for me, it's going to be Mr. Gregory Russo. Uh, Gregory Russo is a guy that I, I, I like, although I am starting to lean slower and slower towards Ant Guy the more I watch film. I'm going to stick with the thing we just talked about in the mock draft, which if you missed, click that end card right now and go check it out. Uh, Gregory Rousseau is a big-bodied guy, 6'6", right. 260. Uh, he's a redshirt sophomore This when he did play in 2019. Uh, so, I mean, he he's kind of one of those guys that there's not a whole lot of info out about. There's not a lot of tape on the guy. But the size, the, the strength, uh, the, the amount of double teams that he was fighting through uh, in his in his sophomore campaign, freshman, Richard freshman campaign technically, um, was impressive. Uh, he had quite a lot of sacks in that 2019 season. 15. Um, it, it was a, it was a lot. Um, the big questions are the speed with this guy. Yeah. Um, he's not he's not the edge rusher that Aziz Al Jawari is that you brought up Ant and talked about. Mm -hmm. um, he's a guy who fits kind of more of a. We, there is a lot of tape of him playing inside three technique force. You would point it out. We were watching some tape before the show, and he said that a lot that he's inside a lot. So he's kind of a guy who's more of a hybrid role. You can move him around and play him a lot of different spots. Probably a little bit similar to what like Eric Armstead mm -hmm. is in the hybrid role. Uh, so the speed aspect there may be a question and a concern. I just like the versatility and the things that he does. I think that you can move him around and do a lot of different things in him. Um, but the more I think about that, the more I think he's probably not a guy you're going to take at 12 at that spot because you're looking for speed off the edge, which is why I think it leans into more of the guy that you're a big fan of. Ed. Yeah, I think when it comes down to Russo, you're looking at a guy that is kind of that, you know, two down, you know, outside defensive end in the 4-3 and then moving inside, kind of like the Armstead role is. I said in the mock draft that he reminds me a lot of Buckner. Yes. In his size, the way he moves, that kind of thing. I think he's a little more athletic than Buckner, but, and he hasn't quite, you know, figured out how all those skills that Buckner has as far as the techniques with, you know, his hands and all that, but... Russo is so raw because of playing, you know, tight end in high school and really just coming to becoming a pass rusher. He's only going to get better. Who knows how much size also that he's put on during this time off. If he's really put time into it, he's going to be impressive. But my guy is Aziz Aljolari. The reason my guy is Aziz Aljolari is because this guy is a bend the corner defensive end. He gets off the edge quick. Yes, he's more traditionally thought of as an outside linebacker in the 3-4. D Ford was also an outside linebacker in the 3-4. Vaughn Miller, an outside linebacker in the 3-4. We call them edge rushers because they can play DN with their hand in the ground or they can play outside linebacker. If, if they were drafted by the 49ers, that's what they would play. I know Dante Whitner agrees with me about Ojolari. He also brought him up as this is a guy that he would like. This guy is the immediate replacement for D Ford. 
I mean, that's just how he is. You can't teach speed like this off the edge. His first step is so good. He's a different dynamic than any of the other guys that are in this draft. Because I don't think anyone gets after the quarterback with the speed that Ojolari does. There's guys that do things that are really good off the edge that I like. But this guy is the ultimate speed guy off the edge. And that's why I like him so much. Yeah, I agree with you that Aziz brings a different level of quickness off the edge. Um, I like both those guys. They're both very good prospects. Very different, but very good. But the guy I'm going to break down here is the third first guy that we like in the first round. That's Jalen Phillips, mm-hmm. who's also out of Miami. He's got a little bit of an interesting backstory. He was the top DN recruit in the nation in 2017. He signed with UCLA because he had something wrong. Um, he's, something wrong. He played in, I believe it was five games his freshman year. Seven games of sophomore year, both were ended early by injury. He got upset with it, quit football. Retired. Or retired from football <laughs> due to injury and just became a student. About a year later, got the itch back, um, came back, transferred to Miami because no one wants to be a Bruin. And then he um, played for Miami this year and he played extremely well. He had, I think, 14 tackles for loss in only eight games. And... Which they only played eight games. He wasn't yeah. injured this year. He made it through the year and without being injured. And I think he's somewhere between Ojolari and Russo in that he's a, he's a little bit quicker than Gregory Russo, also a little bit smaller. He's a true defensive end. Um, uh, but he's not quite as fast as Ojolari, but I feel like he's a little bit bigger and stronger than Ojolari as well. He is. He's got about 20 pounds on Ojolari. But and from watching his tape, he's an extremely high motor guy. He's always getting after. He's intense. He's one of those guys. It like uh, for Niner fans to remember, like Quan Alexander, one of those guys that's constantly flexing and you know dancing right. and making a scene after he makes a play, which I enjoy watching. It gets the whole team hyped up yes. when that happens. He plays with um, solid technique. I feel like his technique could be a little bit better. Honestly, but he's only played like 20 games since high school. So I think his ceiling is extremely high. I don't think he's really come close to scratching the surface of where he could be. And I'm not sure who Miami's defensive line coach is, but that guy is doing a heck of a job turning out NFL caliber defensive linemen. And it's also, no, one more thing I think is interesting is that Phillips is a redshirt junior Russo is a redshirt sophomore. They both went to Miami, never played together. That's yep. football in the pandemic era. Yep. Because Russo because Russo opted out of this year and Phillips kind of came in and took his spot and played with another guy we're gonna be talking about later, Quincy Roche. Mm-hmm. But um that's the thing I like about Phillips, high motor, intensity, and um, I think he's got a lot of natural athleticism, and I think you get him with uh, Kacerik in there, that could be a nice combination. But I do think he's a mid-20s pick. I think he's, if the Niners trade back, first-round guy. I do not think he's the 12th pick in the draft. I think they're the only guy that might be worth the 12th pick is Ojolari due to his explosiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, Russo, I just feel like he's worth that high of a pick. But to the Niners, they kind of have Armstead, who already does a lot of what 
and I don't, but I don't, I don't think Al Jolari goes twelve, nope. and I think because people look at him and look at him as a one-trick pony sort of pass rusher, he's just a speed guy. That's that's mm-hmm. how they view him, and and even though he does that at an elite level, some teams aren't looking for just a speed guy. They're looking for a guy who can play in the run a little bit better, that that can do a little bit more than just get him get in off the edge or stunt off the off an outside outside cross where they're coming out or coming around on the inside full full board to the quarterback with nothing in front of him. Um, and so because of that, I think you can safely, safely, if you are in love with the guy in the, in the 49ers war room, if you absolutely love Ojolari, you can trade back. Right. Um, and it's one of those situations, too, where you could trade back, and if you don't get a guy like Ojolari there, which you initially anticipated, there's probably a guy like Jalen Phillips still there that maybe isn't as dominant as a speed guy, but is a little bit more of a, can do a little bit more than just the speed aspect. He won't do it at the elite level Ojolari does, but he can do some other things as well. I think there's negatives with all three players because I, I think, you know, like you said, Ojolari, they're going to worry about him being able to set the edge and play the run in the NFL. With Jalen Phillips, there's the questions of retirement. Anytime a player steps away like that, there's always questions. Desire, passion, do you, is, the, right. is the game that important to you? 49ers have had this problem before Joe with, with Joe Williams, the running back. Sure. And then also, you know, with uh, Roche, or Ro- yeah, Roche, yeah. No, no, not Roche, uh, Russo. Russo. He sat out and he didn't play an entire year and he just doesn't have a lot of film. So you have the questions of, is this guy really an elite player or is he kind of a one season wonder? And he's got the, he's got the size, he's got the, you know, the hands, all that good stuff, sure. but can he develop? So I think that will push these guys. I think these guys will fall into the late teens, early twenties. And then that's kind of the hot spot to get them. And if you like them all as much, I think if Jalen Phillips wouldn't have retired and if he would have just transferred to Miami and there was no retirement, this guy would easily be a top 15 pick because I think he's the most polished out of the three guys. I agree with you there. Um, In the next round of guys, one of the first guys up on that list is a guy that Ant is a big, huge, Huge gigantic fan of. I am. He's got quite the impressive last name, but the only thing you need to know is he's Joe Tryon. Joe Tryon. (laughs) Forget the rest of it. It's too long and too hard to say. There's a lot going on. Um, That's the one thing that goes into the drafts is just learning how to say people's names is pretty much impossible. Um, But this guy is fantastic to me. He's a lot like Jalen Phillips as far as a player. Another guy that's going to be penalized for sitting out a, a season and for playing in the Pac-12. Yep. Anytime that that happens, you're automatically going to be dinged. So those are two dings against him. But he's big, physical, fast. He sets the edge. He's another guy that can play outside linebacker in a 3-4. Mm-hmm. But really, I think he's in the NFL, he's going to be a 4-3 defensive end. He would fit very nice in the 49ers wide nine. He is more athletic than Armstead and those guys. He's he's one of those guys that fits the bill of what they're looking for. He's not um, he's more of in the Nick Bosa, you know, mold of speed, size, strength, all that stuff. Not as not like the other guys where he's just you know Aziz is smaller but fast. Russo is really big. This guy's kind of that sweet spot of what you're looking for. I think if you don't go edge rusher in the first round, Joe Tryon in the second round would be one heck of a choice because this guy has a great ability. Yeah, he absolutely does. Uh, and the thing that stood out to me on on tape when I was watching a lot of Joe Tryon was the 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 impressiveness of him being out in space and coverage. Uh, a lot of people won't know that about yeah. him. If you if you just watch some highlights of him rushing the passer, um, he's actually pretty gosh darn good out in coverage in yeah. space, covering running backs out in the flats, recognizing when a running back is releasing out. And, it's impressive. And it's, it's his responsibility to slow him down or at least covering it. He is he is in a highly intelligent player, not just the, the physical athletic tools 
but the knowledge and the understanding of the game and knowing what's going on around him and being in the right spots at the right time at the NFL level that's all you can ask of your guys is when when you're when it's not your responsibility to beat a dude in a one-on-one -on -one, can you be in the right spot can you make the right play? Can you force a guy to make yep. the wrong decision? And then can you capitalize on it? I think that's what we're hearing about the Washington team of players overall, right? Yeah. Between uh, Molden yep. and him and, you know, some of the other guys that we like too is that these guys are very in-depth into their video, film watching, and just knowing what their jobs are. They're well coached. Has been a big big time. time. Um, yeah, Tryon to me is, and I'm banking on this is kind of why you like him, is your poor man's Aziz Ojolari as a prospect. I mean, he's different. To me, he's he's basically Jalen Phillips just without, you know, playing this year and maybe a little bit of the polish. Light. Just a light, lighter, a light version. But could be better. Could be. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Well, that's the scary thing about Tryon after watching his video is he's, um, he is not finished. He's... No. But his ex he's gotten away with just using explosive ex natural explosiveness and strength throughout his college career. So um, if he ends up with a good line coach like a Chris Kassarek, mm -hmm. um and he is receptive to coaching, we're talking about a guy that could end up a big time pass rusher in the NFL. Well, I mean, one thing we can point out too is right Phillips, Ojolari. Uh, Russo and Joe Tryon are all younger. None mm -hmm. of them are seniors. They're all young. So they all have room to develop and to develop their body, which is going to be interesting here, you know, to see how big they get and how strong and fast. Absolutely. What's crazy with Russo is I could see him ending up 280 and still moving as well as he I does. agree. Correct. correct. That's kind of nuts to think, but it's correct. And, and he could be 280 right now for the draft and move to defensive tackle. And uh, speaking of guys who still have a lot to uh, fill out and yeah, add to perfect. the frame, it's a perfect transition. It it's almost like it was a planned segue, except <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, this dude, Jordan Smith, the he's listed as he lists he's listed as six six, but he don't look six six. He's listed at 250, 255 pounds somewhere in there. The dude looks like he's a twig out there, yeah. man. And this guy is an absolute savage on film. Yeah, I love this guy on film. It's pretty obvious why he's probably lower on some people's boards. Some people have him going as high as early second, mid second. Some people have him going as low as fourth round. Um, the upside on this guy is huge. Yeah, when you see him and he wears the number 22, so when you see him out there, you're like, all right, who's this receiver? Or yeah. who's the corner, corner yeah. this tall corner? Right. Yeah. It's crazy to see him because he definitely has so much room to put muscle and weight onto his frame. But he's so fast and quick off the edge. There's one play where he comes around the outside and he they're running a read option and he completely tackles the running back and the quarterback at the same time. There's no time for them to think or anything. He just decides, is very decisive, gets there and makes the play. He's that's explosive. one way to get it done. Yeah. Tackle both of them. Yep. Hey, I'll never be against that. But this dude is explosive. He reminds me of Josh Allen that came out a couple years ago. I think right now he's not that polished, but size length uh ability um horse mentioned once before that he reminded him of alden smith i think the way that he extends his arms and uses his arms is that um, my father also said the same thing when he watched the film the alden smith thing so well and awesome. it's the he's the alden smith thing along with the way he uses his arms for me is also the the first time you saw alden smith 
on TV in the NFL, it looked like he could never play the run in the NFL. He looked too thin. Yeah. And then you watch him play, and he never gets overpowered at the point of attack. I think the crazy thing with this guy is this guy weighs as much, almost as much as Alden Smith did, and he's got more height. Yeah. You know, and so this guy carries the weight. Yeah. He oh, carries yeah. it so well. If you haven't watched film and this guy, go watch film. Because you're going to put the film on, you're going to be like, why is there a tight end or a wide receiver or a stupidly tall corner out there? Why is there a position player out there pass rushing at Division One college football? Um, he carries the weight so well that he could probably add an additional 20, 30 pounds of muscle Easy. and be fine. Yeah. Be totally fine. Wouldn't yeah. Probably wouldn't affect him too much. I don't think so. I don't think he would lose any speed. This guy is... I mean, you start thinking about him in that compensatory pick at the end of the third round. I think you really do. I mean, if you're going other needs in the first two rounds, you know, if you're going corner and you also go, mm -hmm. you know, with that interior offensive line, I think this guy is a real option for the 49ers in that spot. Mm -hmm. And he's cheaper. He's cheaper. I mean, because in, in my opinion, he's got the same size and everything as the guy we just talked about in the first round, Russo. But he's coming at a cheaper price and might have more upside. He's a better athlete than Russo. He's a better athlete. Definitely Agreed. better athlete than Russo. And it's one of those things that we had, we had talked about. You can address some other needs, or you could trade back in this first round with a guy like with this type of talent here in in round two, round three with 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 the Jordan Smith. You could trade back with that first pick and target a maybe not a position of need. But a position or a, and a player that I think you and I are both getting very, very high on, and one that you're starting to come around to a little bit too. Uh, a certain linebacker. We won't we won't go too much into it because we still got a linebacker episode coming up. But we feel that this guy could be probably one of the best ten players in the whole draft, and there's no way he's probably going at ten. No. Unless, you know, Bill Belichick just decides to f it and feels the same exact way we feel. Unfortunately, that's usually what happens. <laughs> Bill Belichick. Um, you know, last year all the rumors were coming out that he liked Claypool, and I'm just like, of course he did. You know, he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> usually, that's what Belichick does is he finds a guy, and he he doesn't care when he takes him. He takes him whenever he feels right about it, and yeah, he th that guy would be his guy. Um, but this guy is a freaking great player. Yeah. You know. So, Alex, I know I'm gonna move to a guy that you heart, um, another Pac-12 guy. Of Oregon State, I'm gonna let you say his name. Oh, we're gonna move on to him already, because we're not even close to him. Well, some sites have he's ranked anywhere from second to fifth round oh on my. different ones. I've oh my lord, you want to talk about Hamaka, yeah. <laughs> Rashid, Hamaka Rashid? We we struggled with this name for some time. Uh, 2020 is a little bit of a misleading year for him. They only played a few games. Yeah, there's just not a lot there. However, if you look at the 2020 numbers and you watch the 2020 film, 14 sacks is an outrageous number. It is. And it's an insane number. And the last time I checked, the Pac-12 was not a scrub conference. I mean, the last it time I... It depends on who you ask. I mean, I get that. Listen, and I'm a big SEC guy. I'm, uh, you guys know I'm a Gator fan. I, I've been a Florida Gator fan for as long as I can physically remember. I've always been pro-SEC everything. I've never really been that down on the Pac-12. There were probably a few years in the, I don't know, mid to 2000, right before the 2010s hit, in which I was down on the on the Pac-12 a little bit. But for the most part, the Pac-12 has been a solid conference that's turned out solid talent consistently over right. and over and over again. So I don't understand why this guy is going as low as he is going. He's got speed off the edge. 
uh, he, he, you've seen him against the run on film. He, he right. looks great. He's really good at getting off blocks. Um, he's got an extremely ridiculously high motor. Um, yeah, he, he, they have him going as high as two. I feel like he's probably closer to like a late second, mid third round, somewhere in there type of talent. But there are some places that have him going like fifth or sixth right. round. It's kind of crazy to me. Wow. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on Humaka? I think the fact that he's six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, is kind of probably the reason that he's it's a bigger knock. Um, I'm surprised he didn't come out last year after having the fourteen sacks, which makes you wonder what they were telling him then. You know, I mean, he is an extremely, you know, gifted guy. He hustles. He plays really hard. He's a guy that you want to plug in and you want to you want to play. He's definitely a rotational piece. You just don't know if he ever becomes a real elite star in the NFL, but somebody that could add pressure off the outside, um, I think he's a good player. He played well against the run. He plays physical. I think he's kind of being slept on a little bit. This is one of those guys that it's Oregon State. They played really bad, so people automatically think that they can't produce great players, but this is a guy that's really good, and I think he's going to get be a steal for someone probably in the fifth round. Fifth or sixth round, he'll go off the board, and somebody will get themselves a nice rotational edge piece that can provide um, pressure and can also play against the run when he's needed to. Yeah, um, I watched, I've, as I've explained to Anthony here before, they always show the Pac-12 after dark on Saturday nights. The game starts at like 9. Mm -hmm. And Oregon State is often, unfortunately, put in that game because they're not very good. Aww. And so I probably watched, over the last two years, a good seven games that he played in. And... I brought him up as in the second, third round group, not realizing that these guys had had him marked as a fifth rounder. So that's yeah how highly I thought of him after watching him play. He's kind of like this diamond you find in a big field of mud. Watching Oregon State <laughs> play defense, a big field of mud. It's just, hey, it's fitting. They're they're black and it's, orange. It's the only place you go to find white mud. And, <laughs> and we're gonna be rich because you know where to find white and, mud. <laughs> and you watch it, and they have a couple guys on offense as well, but on on defense, he really stands out like a sore thumb, but in a good way mm -hmm. on Oregon State because when the announcers would talk about the other team's game plan, it was always to keep the ball away from Hamika Rashad. How do you say it? Hamikar? Hamika. Hamika Rashid. Hamika Rashid. Because... So the announcers misset his name every week. I'm going to tell you that. Well, um, some of them did and some of them didn't. We watched some of the highlights. You get like seven games where they say it, Hamika, Hamika Rashid. And then there's like two that would say it weird. Yeah. They yeah. say, so, say it not, not at all. They would say Rashid. Yeah, Rashid. So he, he made a lot of plays in those games I watched, but he was often in pass pro double team because they weren't too worried about or the rest of Oregon State's D-line. In the games I watched, and it, but they often ran the ball away from him, which is telling. Mm -hmm. On a, when there's a really good player on a not so good team, if they if most of the run plays go away from him, that means that they're worried about the one guy and don't want to let him beat them. So let's talk about the guy that's been climbing up the boards. Absolutely. You know, a guy that me and you have been looking at, Quincy Roche mm. from Miami. Somebody that's been climbing the boards, playing opposite of Jalen Phillips after transferring to Miami. What do you think, Alex? I like him. Yeah. I really do like him. Um, he was a guy that I, I liked before I started doing research. And then the more I started doing research, 
the more I liked him, even more. He just kept, he just kept yeah. climbing. He's he grows on me every time. Uh, and the speed is the thing that stands out. Right. And you put it there on the slide. Uh, he is a quick dude. Um, there, there is a, there's a clip of him and Jalen Phillips coming off the edge, at which Jalen Phillips is got his hands on on the I think it's I believe it's the right tackle, and he's just controlling and pushing his way in and collapsing the pocket and collapsing the pocket, and. If, if you're watching the still shot from the sideline, you, you, you focus on Phillips because of how much he's dominating. But if you just took a second to glance up the screen a little bit, literally Roche has bent the corner already, full rip by the guy. He's about two steps past him. And you realize both of these guys are going to smack this dude at the same time. Yep. And it was just one of those things on film when you watch it, you're watching Jalen Phillips. If you're just trying to watch Jalen Phillips, you'll miss some of some of Roche's best work. Mm -hmm. He he is a, a monster he isn't as polished as a guy as Al, like Aljuari is. Um, I, I would say he struggles probably in the run game, probably a little bit more as Aljuari. Um, he's just too quick. He's too gosh darn quick, and sometimes he doesn't know how to control himself. But coaching will will get you there and, and get that there for you. Um, he transferred in this year, hoping to get a lot of snaps, and then COVID kind of mm -hmm. ruined things like it ruins a lot of things for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't get as many snaps, didn't get as many games because of, of the condensed and shortened season. But the stuff he put on tape this year wasn't bad either. Four and a half sacks this year and 45 tackles as well. Um, he's, a, he's a guy who he's going to benefit from being around other players. If you're not having to lean and rely on him day one to be the guy generating your pass rush, if you put him with other talented guys, in the NFL and on NFL rosters, he is going to blossom and grow. You're going to put him in situations where he's not going to worry about double teams. He's not going to have to worry about going against a, a team's best offensive lineman. Right. He's going to have a chance to work on the things about his game that he needs to work on, work on some of the block shedding to get himself free on, in, in run block situations against, against the run. Uh, he's going to be able to work on some more of his pass rush moves as well and develop a few of them, although he does have a nasty one that you guys are big fans of. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think you're right. He does remind me of Ojolari. I think he is the the next guy in that speed rush role uh, from Ojolari. They have similar size, you know, weight, all that good stuff. I think that play that you're talking about reminded me the most of Nick Bosa and D Ford, you know, coming around. And they kind of have similar skill sets, you know, with Jalen Phillips reminding me of Nick Bosa a lot, mm -hmm. and then Roche reminding me a lot of D Ford. So he's somebody the 49ers could target also to fill that. D4 role. I don't know if he has the explosiveness that D Ford has, but he's pretty close and he has more explosiveness than a lot of the 49ers edge rushers have. You know, what I mean, because you think about Kerry Hyder, he's not really known for that explosiveness off the edge. Eric Armstead, not known for the explosiveness. It's pretty much just Nick Bosa and D Ford. So adding guys that can do that, especially in the NFC West, to go against Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and now Matthew Stafford, will be very important for the 49ers. Hopefully they can get it going and get this guy because I think he would be a nice you know, fit for the 49ers. Absolutely. Yeah, Quincy Roche um, is a guy that's real explosive, quick, first step, all that stuff you guys said. Um, he could do to improve his move set a little bit, You know, become more polished in that regard. I think when he was at Temple, he had a he got away maybe with a little bit of using his size strength explosiveness to win rather than having to be polished with his moves but um, he definitely even improved from there to Miami and he had a good year this year at Miami as a grad transfer helped himself a lot in the draft cool. and this is a guy I think is being hurt by the combine 
not happening because I think he's one of those guys that might go to the combine and run a 4-5 and, and shoot way up everyone's draft board. I think he's one of those workout warrior type guys that would really benefit from it. But. We'll find out when they do their pro day. Yeah, we will. We yeah. will. And if you guys want, yeah, pro days are starting to happen. And uh, someone who helped definitely helped his draft stock draft stock was uh, Trevor Lawrence. He looked uh, pretty darn. Did good. he help his stock? Yeah, yeah. he totally helped. Did he went from one to one. One to one. one. Yeah. Torn labor. Torn labor in the left shoulder means nothing. Nothing at all whatsoever. Can you think about that Miami pro day though with Phillips? With Russo and with Roche. Roche. Anywhere we can That's go. What, yeah, I'd like to be there for that. I, I would guess all 32 teams are going to be there for that. I, I mean, I would. Um, I, I think Buddy really enjoys <laughs> Roche. I think he's he a does. big fan. He's, he's getting pretty loud out there. It's going to be like Warren Sapp or something. Yeah. yeah something like that. Uh, next guy on the list, a guy that you brought to my attention, Ant, that I know you you, you like a lot, Mr. Dude. Patrick Jones. God, those uniforms are Pitt. terrible. Yeah. Uh, it, they are, they are weird looking uniforms. They they do some weird stuff there at Pitt with their jerseys, but it's it's fine. They Thought, thoughts on this guy? Give everyone a little little, feed, little feedback. On yeah, it. I think Football. when you're kind of going through, when you're starting to get into that you know that fourth to fifth round range, this guy kind of comes up. He's got good size. He's got good you know uh, weight. He plays the run hard. The one thing you're gonna miss with this guy from the other guys that we've talked about is the explosiveness, that first step explosiveness. But he never gives up, and he always tries, and he always plays hard. This guy is kind of closer to Hamakar Rashid as far as talent-wise. I think he has ability, um, and I think he can benefit in the NFL. But I don't see him being a starter that makes an impact right away. I think he's a depth guy that you love having on your team. He's the Kerry Hyder kind of guy that comes in as a rotational piece, and you know gets you three to four to five sacks a year. And then you're like, yeah, I got this guy, you know, and he can he can add depth to your defensive line. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to you know, scream Pro Bowl or anything like that in the near future. But I liked him overall. I, I think he has some things to improve. But when it comes down to it, he's a solid edge rusher in the NFL. Yeah, I feel just about the same way. I'd say his peak is the second guy on a not very good team or the third guy on a good team as far as your DN rotation. Um, if he's your third guy, you have a really good D-line if he reaches his peak. So, yeah, I liked the Kerry Hyder comparison because I think he's definitely that next round down of athleticism from the guys we've been talking about. Um, but he's he plays hard. He plays well. He gets after it. You see him make a lot of hustle plays throughout the games, and he plays with good technique too. So I think he's a guy that will have an NFL career. I just don't think he's a Pro Bowl NFL player. He, he's a guy that in those mid-rounds um, – Teams that see him there that are needing pass rush depth and need it are excited that he's there. He's yeah. like, oh my gosh, this bolsters it. Uh, if you're a team who just needs pass rushers and you're in like desperate need and you're in the fourth round and that's the name you're seeing, you're kind of sweating and wondering what you did in those first three rounds and you know those early rounds and why you didn't take one and pull the trigger there. Um, because he's he's just not one of those guys who gets you all gets your blood boiling with excitement. Right. He's just one of those guys that you look at and you feel you feel comfortable with. Um, he does things right. He has great technique. Um, he plays well. Um, he doesn't blow you away with anything that he does, but he also doesn't leave you with a bunch of red flags wondering, you know, if this guy has a future in the league after year three. You know, he, he's a guy that you know, he's going to he's gonna carve out a role somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it could be in San Francisco. I think as a rotational guy late in the draft, if, if Shanahan and Lynch both don't feel like the Niners need to address edge rusher in terms of, 
getting on the field and playing 50-60% of the snaps, and they just need a rotational guy that's going to pick up a piece, pick up the pieces like for Terry Hyder with him leaving, mm-hmm. potentially, uh, then this is a guy that they would like and be comfortable with because, well, you can mold him and fit him into that role, and you don't need him to be anything else other than your second or third guy in the rotation. And it might be a better idea for the 49ers to re-sign and sign cornerbacks in free agency and then to let defensive linemen go and restock in the draft Correct. with the fact that you're paying Chris Kacarek over a million dollars as the coach. He needs to, you know, do a good job, and he usually does. So maybe you just trust him to develop talent and you, you know, make concessions there, let Kerry Hyder leave, you know, let some of these guys that are going to be veterans at the league minimum, let them go draft guys that you can play at a cheaper price and still get similar production from what do we got next? Yeah, we got a Shaka Tony. Oh, that's right. Yeah, a lot of people don't talk about Shaka Tony. And, and, and some places have him as undrafted. Undrafted now. We don't have this guy anywhere near the undraft category. No. Not at all. No, I think this guy's a late fifth, early sixth round guy. I think sometimes he gets overlooked because of, you know, pass rushers that were on his team. And so he's kind of, you know, just not looked at in the same light. I think this happens a lot with pass rushers. I think that's Roche thing is kind of having a little bit on him because of how good Phillips was, how good, you know, some of these other guys are. So this can happen, but he's a good player. He has a high motor. He plays the run pretty well. And then he, the only problem with him, he doesn't really bend the corner that great, but he always works his way to the quarterback. He has, he has good strength for his size. So he's able to get underneath the offensive lineman, push him back towards the quarterback, collapse the pocket. I think he's a guy that, you know, late fifth, early sixth, he's a good value. If for some reason he goes undrafted, I'm 100% trying to sign this guy as an undrafted oh, I, I think I think if he's not drafted, the Niners are doing that. I don't even think that's a question. I would sure hope so. Uh, Shock Tony, to me, the thing that scares me a little bit about him is his weight. Um, he's, some sites list him as low as 230. I know you have him 240 here. It's 240. But, um, actually, actually, I believe he's 238. Yeah, his official weight was 238. He ain't after website. he drinks two gallons of water before he weighs in. You know, and... Problem <laughs> solved. Mm-hmm. But, um, so he might he might be a little undersized to play DN in the NFL, but he's one of those guys that really plays with extremely high effort, like you said. Um, he's been opposite some good players in your turn, Gross Matos. Right. And, um, Oa. Jason, what is it, J. Oa, that came out this year? Um, so he's kind of gotten that reputation, like you're saying, but he's he doesn't give up on plays when they start the other way from him. He, um, he's hard to push out of there on run plays, especially for his size. In college, he really gives him a fight to move him on run plays, which is a good sign. His effort's always going to be there. I think, like you guys are saying, if he's sixth round, fifth round, something like that, um, even just, he's to me, he's one of those guys that might become a great special team. His, his effort shows mm-hmm. that kind of thing and stick on the back end of your D-line. But he's, I do like him because of his high effort and, atti- and attitude. I think my big concern with him is just that he can't, he, there's not a whole lot more muscle he can add to his body. He's at 240 right now, he's only 6'3. Um, once he gets past that 10, 15 pound range for him, um, it's going to start affecting some aspects of his mobility just because of his size. He doesn't have as much to add on there. Uh, and as a guy who's six feet tall, 240 pounds, 245 pounds myself, I'm aware of that. Mm. <laughs> I can't add more to my body and, and function and move around the way I would like to move around. And I'm not a high level athlete. Right. So, um, Shaka Tony though has a lot of things. The motor, you guys said, the craftiness for me on film is what I love about him. 
Um, you said he doesn't give up. He he just finds ways to get there. Right. Um, and you can't you can't really teach that a lot with certain guys. Some guys have that fact that it kind of it factor to find their way and get their way to a quarterback, and some don't. I think he's a guy that can 100% stick around on a roster, and I think in a few years he'll he'll be a guy that can be a, a very solid rotational piece. Um, until the time comes where he's either a vet minimum type of guy uh, down the road in his career as he carves out his path in the NFL as a, a guy who's a locker room presence and leader sort of thing who can, you know, instill the work ethic upon the young guys coming in. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-pro, Pro Bowl type guy. There's probably not. It's probably not in his cards in his future. But he does have the potential to have a nice 8-10 year career in the NFL uh, if he can A, stay healthy, B, continue to develop uh, his skill sets as a pass rusher, find a way to make an impact on special teams, um, and B, kind of mold himself into the, the workhorse guy who puts in the work, develops, puts in a couple, two, three sacks a season, um, and just carves out a nice niche as a guy who comes in as a situational pass rusher. Yeah, think about how important speed is. The fact that he's this, pretty much the same size as Ojolari and Roche, and yet, you know, because he doesn't have that elite speed, the, the size is a problem, you yeah. know, and, and that's because when you have that speed, you can get it around the edge. And when you don't, you know, you can get manhandled. So the speed is so important. Yeah. And I think it jumps off on screen, too. The speed is so, you know, just so fun to watch. Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. So now we're going to be going into now we're starting to get into these kind of real deep guys. And we got Patrick Johnson. I'm a big fan of this guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a really big fan of this guy. He is completely unpolished. Yeah. When you watch his film, uh, under no circumstances can you watch his film and be like, oh my God, how is this guy? How is he not? Uh, he, for me, when I watched the film, it, it, it stood out to me. It jumped off the film, the things he, he could do, and the things he could potentially be, uh, the physicality that he plays with. Um, he isn't a slow guy by any means, but he's also not the fastest dude in the world. Right. Um, he's not a guy that I think is going to come in and right away make any sort of big impact by no means even though i'm a huge fan of him i just think his ceiling is so high the 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 way he can jumps the way he gets off the ball he he has a, a fairly quick first step he just not he just doesn't separate from guys he doesn't mm -hmm. bend the corner after that um that could be a, a technique thing it could be a speed issue um, it may just be an unpolished thing. I'm not 100% sure, but when you watch him on film, he does do some things well, and then he does some things bad. Um, he gets high sometimes in space, and he shouldn't. He needs to get lower. He doesn't have the, the size and the strength at 6'3", 255. If he were a 6'6", guy at 255, 260, uh, you could play that high. Uh, we we saw with uh, Rousseau, when we saw with a couple of these other guys who are, who are that 6'6", frame. Right. They get high on some of their their moves, some of their swims, and things of that nature. But it doesn't matter because of how fast they are and how big they are. As soon as they get their hands on you, and you're pretty much screwed. Uh, you're not going to do a whole lot once they get their hands where they want to get their hands, and once they have the step that they want to have. This guy doesn't have those things. He's physical, but he doesn't have the strength. Yeah. The the same type of strength. Excuse me. Um, he's quick, but he ain't that quick. Um, and so I, I think there's room, for, a lot of room for improvement with this guy. But in the things that I saw from Patrick Johnson at Tulane on film, seven sacks that he had, 37 tackles, he's not really weak anywhere in terms of against the pass or against the rush. He can get to the quarterback when he needs to get to the quarterback. He's fairly decent in, in the run game. He doesn't have any glaring holes. Um, he's a smart player. He just has a lot of things he's got to clean up technique-wise. And the height, the heightness, the, the level at which he rushes, rushes the passer with the height he has, 
Uh, he's got to get a little bit lower in space, keep that center of gravity low, work on bending that corner a little bit. He's got to add a couple other moves to his uh, his repertoire as well because he's kind of a one, kind of a one trick pony in the pass rush. He likes to get either a single hand on the outside and go, or likes to try and rip. And even his rip isn't as pretty as it should be. Yeah, and that's probably coaching. That's probably you know you find that a lot. Like you always wonder why uh, Tom Lasula's guys always all they do is you know drive a guy back and and bull rush. That's because that's all he knows how to teach. Um, that and meat sweats. But when it comes down to it, yeah. When it comes down to it with Patrick Johnson, it's crazy because he's going to go in the sixth round, probably the same place Rashid is. Yeah. And I think Rashid is actually a, a very, like, probably a lot better player. Oh, significantly better. Yeah. And and the sad part is, is I think that for a guy like Patrick Johnson, that's a, that may be, people may look at him in the sixth round, oh, that's not value. No, it is value. It's value. Round, because Rashid in the sixth round is a steal. You yeah. heisted the draft. You heisted it. You totally well, stole it. What Rashid has in athleticism and speed off the edge is what Johnson's missing, but I think Johnson's a little bit better in the run game, and that some of that is the style in which they play, where Rashid is playing getting upfield. Johnson's playing, like you said, the single arm, pushing him back. He's trying to get extension and, and set the edge a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So it is a different style of play. I think both of them have value in the NFL, yeah. but I wanted to compare them because both of them are probably going to go around the same area, within 20 picks of each other probably. Good chance. And I think both are good players. It all just depends on fit. I think Rashid fits the 49ers better. He, sp he fits the 49ers, especially with the speed aspect. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think that, you know, both can carve out a place for them in the NFL. And this guy could be a possibility for the 49ers when you get into the sixth, seventh round. Absolutely. I think it's just it's a value pick to have an edge rusher like him that has a high motor that can play, you know, that type of way. Absolutely. Of course, you got anything to say about Patrick Johnson? Um, Patrick Johnson, you guys pretty much covered it. He's got a lot of potential, pretty high ceiling, but he is raw. He's... He he's, does play hard. He's sushi, boys. I will give him that he seems to have a high motor. I mean, yeah, Let, let's jump to one of the guys you guys really like again, William Bradley King. Both of you guys really like him. Okay. So go ahead and, and jump off on this. Horst, Horst, I guess Horst doesn't <laughs> like do. him. I don't dislike him. I was under like, the impression that I, you liked him during I, the mock draft. You hinted that you liked him. I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, right now he's kind of projected around the fourth round. The problem for me with William Bradley King is, is I feel that – he just lacks certain things. He doesn't put up the statistics that you want a guy who's 6'4", 250 to put up. Uh, he just he just doesn't. Yeah. He's not there. Um, and when you watch his film, it doesn't jump. It doesn't pop as much. People love the physical attributes that he has. That's why he's projected as high as the fourth round. I see him as more of a value pick in the sixth and seventh is why I, I agree. view him. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think he is a sleeper in the sense that he does have a high ceiling. I I've had, I've, the more taped I've watched him, the less I've liked him, the less I've liked him. But I don't, I don't 100% know why I don't like him. Like, it's one of those things where it's like I watch him and he does good things and he's in the right spot and he doesn't get beat. He, he doesn't overextend on the edge. So he's not getting so far upfield that you're getting mobile, mobile quarterbacks. He's aware of when the quarterback steps up in the pocket and he'll swim his way back in or spin his way back in and try and make the play. And sometimes he gets a half sack and helps out. He he just, he's never the one doing it on his own, it seems like, on film. Yeah. Um, and so for William Bradley King, he's just got a lot to prove. And, and Senior Bowl, I thought was going to be his chance to shine and help. And one-on-ones came and he had his moments where he'd dominate. And then, you know, two snaps later, he would get put in the ground. And then he would blow by a guy and bend the corner and get to the get to the quarterback there in the pocket in the one-on-ones 
And then on the next one, he would get put into the ground and then start to get up. And I think it was, I, I believe it was Trey Smith blew him up as he was starting to get back up again. It was just like, oh man, that's not, it's not great at all. So he just, he's a roller coaster ride. You just don't know what you're going to get from on any given down. And inconsistency can be the death of a player in the NFL. Yeah, I, I can't see him as a fourth round, you know, especially no. after the senior bowl performance. No. The fact that he got outplayed by someone like Cameron Sample. Cameron Sample's a guy that, you know, we've talked about before, and Cameron Sample it outplayed him at the senior bowl. Three sacks. You know, that was, you know, Bradley King's chance to really jump up on some boards. I don't think he did. I think he's sliding. Mm-hmm. And I don't I wouldn't be surprised if this guy isn't a day three, late day three guy. Because I just don't see it. Um, I'm not as high on him as you guys. I've tried to watch the film and stuff. I, I guess Horse isn't really into him that much either. I think it was. I yeah. think it's mostly me. Yeah. It's just because for me, I can't figure out whether I hate him or love him. It's, yeah. It's one of those things where I just can't. I can't figure it out. I mean, I always struggle when it gets to Big Twelve. You know, pass rushers and and offensive linemen. It's always a struggle to watch these guys and <laughs> and determine how good they really are. But I would prefer Cameron Sample over him. And uh, but. I definitely wouldn't take Cameron Sample in the fourth round either. I think he's a fifth-round talent. Uh, yeah. Alex, I think you summed up William Bradley King's entire film when saying one play gets to the quarterback, one play gets knocked on the ground. And I think that can be a death knell for a guy trying to make the NFL is I don't think he plays with a high motor. I yeah, I, I think I think from now on I'm going to call him Bill Bradley. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So here's a guy, Ant. <laughs> yeah. Raymond Johnson the third. Yep. Out of Georgia Southern. You know a little bit about this guy. I think uh, I think you're a big fan. I am. You know, I kind of caught a glimpse of this guy, so I got more and more into it. I like him a lot. He's not going to jump off the screen as far as size. 6'2", 260 pounds. So he's undersized. So right away, people are going to make sure that you know that's a problem for him. But he's somebody that has a high motor and he plays so hard. And sometimes you just can't, you know, measure that. Last year, my my guy was Daniel Tuska, and he ended up, you know, having to struggle and then getting on Denver and making plays. Now Denver's thinking this guy can be a player for them because when you, you know, actually have production in the NFL, then, you know, but you come from these small schools and sometimes they don't know how good you can be. This is my Daniel Tuska this year. Raymond Johnson III, I think, can be a fantastic player. He's strong. He's smart. He knows how to play. He's not somebody that's going to get out there and speed rush for you, but what he's going to do is he's going to set the edge. He's going to play hard, and if if the play breaks down in the secondary or the secondary doesn't break down, this guy can get to the quarterback, and he can be that, that depth rotational piece. In the seventh round, this is a great pick. As an undrafted free agent, it's fantastic. This is somebody that's what you're looking at, and he would be a, a big-time positive for the 49ers because he can do everything that you know you need from those guys in that position. Probably stack him on the practice squad for a year or two and see what he's got. Uh, I, I only watched film on this guy this morning. You told me to. And, yeah, I was really impressed. He's um, He was dominant against most of the teams that they played against. Obviously, generally a little bit lower level. But he did make some standout plays versus LSU. And I can't remember who the other Power 5 team was that I saw him against. But he's all over the field in the clips you watch. He's... He's running down plays from behind. He's running guys down 10, 15 yards down the field. He's also obviously makes his fair share of plays at or behind the line of scrimmage, or he wouldn't be an NFL prospect. But I think, like, this guy I like way more than Bradley King. I agree with that. I think Raymond Johnson is the opposite. 
of Bradley King. He's not as physically gifted, but he he gives everything he has on every play. He was really fun to watch. We got ourselves a football player. It's a football player. Uh, you may have noticed that we didn't talk about a specific certain guy in the top four. Right. Um, a, a guy that, ooh, that's the wrong guy. Uh, a guy that we didn't bring up in that top four, Quiddy Pay. Yeah. I was fairly fairly high on him up until recently. Watched some more film. Ant, Horst, you two specifically, because you want him to K-Witty football entirely, <laughs> Horst. Uh, thoughts on this guy and, and why you're not as high on this guy and why you don't think this guy is, is as high on boards as he is as high on boards as he is. Why shouldn't he be there? Okay, first of all, he I think that about him and his whole Michigan senior class because they made my man's Jim Harbaugh look bad. Um, <laughs> second of all, Quiddy Pay. Obviously, I don't really think he can't play football at all. He star at Michigan, yeah. But um, I think he's one of those guys that people for some reason have as a first rounder, and I just don't think he has the ceiling of a Pro Bowl All Pro guy. To me, a first-round pick is their ceiling is to be a Pro Bowl All Pro. Right. Correct. I think Quiddy pays a. It says it right there on the screen. A high motor, high effort, rotational piece type guy. If people brought up Quiddy Pay as a third-round pick, I would have good things to say about it. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, they're bringing up some people even as a top fifteen pick. I just don't see it. I don't see. To me, the rare athleticism, speed, or strength, or something like that, should just fly off the tape at you when you're talking about a fifth or top fifteen pick as a defensive lineman. And I just don't see him being excellent at any quality. I like him. I mean, to a point. That's what it is. You know, it's it's that late first round, early second round. I would like him because I think he does have a high motor and he plays hard. But after that, it's just not. And you look at his measurables. He's six four, two hundred seventy seven pounds. He's got his physical body already. So this is a guy that's been a man playing among, you know, guys still growing and stuff. And you just, I mean, yeah, the production's there. But to me, a lot of a lot of times the coverage has to hold up for him to get to the quarterbacks. That was the thing I started to notice when I watched yeah. more and more film was the amount of time it takes him to get there. It's not like Javon Kinlaw where Kinlaw, Kinlaw wasn't taking four and a half, five seconds, six seconds to get to a quarterback on film in college. Kinlaw's there within three, three and a half seconds yeah. when he is there. And then you could see, you saw how dominant he was in the run game in the NFL and just multiplied that times a thousand in college. Um, what do you pay? That, that, isn't the, that isn't the case. Yeah, his production comes a lot of times against some of the weaker teams in the Big Ten. And also, he doesn't bend the corner very well. That's not something he does. He pretty much just does the, you know, the rip move, gets the arm underneath, ducks the shoulder. Um, but he has to usually use power to kind of push back and, and let something happen. The other time you see him get home free is on stunts. I mean, really, when it's, there's a stunt, then he can get home free. He's not a bad player, but I think this is a guy, like Horst said, is not going to be a Pro Bowl or All-Pro player in the NFL. I think he's probably going to be a, you know, five, six-sack starter in the NFL, somebody that they can put as their second, you know, defensive end, and he'll play admirably and he'll play well. But he's not someone that you're going to be fearful of. And he's not, not somebody that I'm worried about destroying Mike McGlinchey. You you're know? not you're not looking for that in, in your top 15, top 12. No, right, exactly. We need a dynamic player. And I think out of the defensive ends that we've mentioned in the first round, this guy is for sure the fourth one out of oh. them. And I would actually prefer Joe Tryon over him. 49er fans, I'll give you Solomon Thomas. You think Woody Pay is Solomon Thomas? That type of guy. I mean, I think Solomon's more of an inside guy. Quiddy's more of an outside guy. But 
I, I get what you're saying as the far as production impact. and impact that he makes. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, not I mean, that he's a bad player. Yeah. Right. He's just not worth And Solomon. Solomon's not a bad player. He no. just he wasn't worth the spot we took him at. I mean, it, it, it's because he was a third overall pick. Correct. Um, yeah, if you were looking back and Solomon had been picked midway through the second round, you wouldn't hate him. No. Nope. Correct. Uh, that is absolutely correct. Uh, any thoughts on Carlos Basham, guys? Um, he's a guy, again, who is at the Senior Bowl. Had some moments again, kind of kind of elevated the stock. I think people were hyping up a little bit more than his senior bowl performance should have should have given him. But I'll give him this. He's my favorite Basham since the Basham brothers. Dang, I was about to say that. Yeah, Um, but no, he's really strong. Uh, I mean, that's why I put it on the slide. He reminds me a lot of Quiddy Pay. I think they're they're very comparable to each other. The adult body. Yeah, the adult. He's big. He's strong. He's ready to play in the NFL. But once again, another guy that you should draft in the second to third round. And he's going to give you production. You know, five, six sacks a season. I mean, that's what he did in college. I kind of expect that. He got five sacks. I know it was a shortened season, but in the ACC. You know, he wasn't going against the best offensive tackles. Um, I mean, he needs he needs to have more production, in my opinion. But I think he's somebody that's solid, that will be a productive starter in the NFL. Yeah, I, and by the way, he's my second favorite. Cause I like Doug. Oh, okay. Oh, there we go. There you go. He was oh. pulling for that one. That Damager. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, overall, a lot of a lot of guys that are extremely talented in this edge rushing class that could add a lot of depth for the 49ers. And there are some guys early in this draft, first, second round, that can be impact guys right. that we all feel that that are that are big and could be game changers because they can change the way you, the, the, the this team structures and operates. Um, you can afford to let go of and cut D Ford if you want to go after one of these guys and free up some cap space and do some other things with some of that money. If you're going to go with one of these young guys like an Ajilari, um, especially. Because late in that first round, you could trade back. There's so many, so many different things we can do. We were toying around with the idea earlier today yeah. of what we could do in the second second round mock draft if we, if we yeah. trade back and make some moves. It's true because there's a lot of options, and with all these edge rushers going to be kind of that. Um, I, I think you know Quiddy Pay might go first overall. I think people are high on him, and then after that, you know these guys. Are, there's going to be somebody that we like in that 20 to 29 range. So dropping back, you're able to get an edge rusher if that's what you want to do. Um, I think there's going to be a corner there too. So the 49ers definitely are going to have the option to drop back in the in the draft. And any one of these guys, you know, that we talked about the top three, I think some of it is fit too. You know, Ojolari, he fits perfectly to what D Ford does. So if you're replacing D Ford, that's perfect. Um, you know, with fit like with Russo, if Russo is going to play the Armstead role, does that mean Armstead's moving inside? Is he moving inside? Then does that mean Kinlaw is going to nose tackle? So that kind of changes the game as far as how they're playing. So those are questions to be answered. For Jalen Phillips, he can also play the defensive end. I think in that case, you know, Armstead does move inside. So, you know, I mean, you don't you don't know if these guys are just going to be just a straight edge rusher or if they're going to move inside, outside. So those are big questions for the 49ers. I think that's why I like the Ojolari fit the most. To me, he made the most sense coming off the edge. But there's going to be questions of what they do with Kinlaw. If he's going to, you know, stay at the defensive tackle or if he's going to move to the nose. Uh, with DJ Jones being out, I think it's the best option for him to move to the nose with Armstead moving back inside. I think we'll be a better defensive line that way, mm-hmm. but we'll see what they do. I agree with that, that. He's the best fit as far as who needs replacing on the 49ers defensive line. Um, I still think Phillips might be the more polished and better player but at the moment. I agree. But I think a little, 
Ojalar, you know, all year, I can't, after all year sitting here and commenting like you guys about how we need a faster defensive end, I can't sit here and not want a fast defensive end. And, and With we, one there yeah. who, like, the thing you said, the D Ford replacement, he may not be as fast as D Ford. We don't know with 100% certainty, right. obviously. Um, but you can just watch his get off on films. Yeah. And the the first thing that popped to my mind was D Ford as well. Well, I mean, the other thing we might think about too is, is actually waiting and going edge rusher later on. Second mm -hmm. round, Joe Tryon. Third round, Jordan Smith. Mm -hmm. I would be 100% behind either one of those moves. If mm -hmm. there is one edge rusher you can get in this draft, guaranteed that we get him. Who is it? Jordan Smith. That's a tough one. Mine Smith. Yeah. My I'm with I'm with you on that. Um, the more I watch film on that guy, the more I just salivate with the possibilities of what he can, what he can be and yeah. what he could be, and the fact that you don't have to pay that much and sacrifice really anything in order to accomplish it. I'll roll with you guys. Yeah, because I think that he has these. Like I think he has the same upside as Russo. Yeah. You know, size, speed, weight. I think he has the same size, but he can play the outside right now where I worry about Russo maybe needing to move inside. I don't see that with, with Smith. Mm -mm. But, I mean, yeah. You guys know who my favorites are. Ojolari, Tryon, and Smith. Yeah. If I walk away from this draft with one of those guys, I'm extremely happy. If I walk away with Russo or um, Jalen Phillips, I'm happy with it. I'm not. I'm not upset at all. I would be 100% satisfied if we walked away with Phillips or uh, Jordan Smith. Yeah. Those, those are the two guys that I, I probably like the most of, of all of them. Um, Rousseau, I like the just the dynamics of what, how much he can do and how many different things yeah. you can do with him. Um, I, Rousseau would be the one I'd be thrilled with if we find out like a month before the draft that D Ford's good to go. D Ford's good to go, and we can bring in Greg Rousseau somehow. Uh, I would be super ecstatic so, because right. there's so many different things you can because do. Because then D4 just comes in an obvious pass situation. And then you can you can move him and Armstead wherever you want, whenever you want. And I think that's a good a good possibility as far as uh, replacing Kerry Hyder too. Yes. You know, you don't want to have to pay Kerry Hyder a big contract. This would be a way to, you know, do that. That's why it, actually drafting someone later makes more sense because if you have to pay him that first round, you know, that pay scale gets kind of crazy. But if you're taking him in that range, kind of the 20-ish range where Brandon Ayuk went, it's manageable. It's going to be, you know, a little over $2 million. So that's not bad. So $2 million, you know, for a year, you know, per season is not bad. Not at all. Not at all. Let us know what you think in the comment section down below. Any of the guys that we listed that we have to have under all circumstances, we sell the farm for them. Yeah. Or are you more like Ant, Horse, and I, where there's a lot of value in these mid to late rounds? You can get some guys there and add some depth. Let us know in the comment section down below. Don't forget to like the video. Subscribe if you're not already, because why would you not want to be a part of this community? Hit that notification bell while you're at it as well. That way you get notified every time we post one of these videos every Tuesday from now until draft week. Be here. Yeah, edge rush is a controversial topic. We want to know what you have to think or say about it. Think about it. Let us know. We've had a lot of good uh, comments lately. People have brought up some interesting things, interesting trades, all kinds of good stuff. Let us know. Also, let us know if you think maybe there's better guys in free agency that we can afford right. than some of these draft picks. Absolutely. A lot of options, a lot of possibilities. The only thing to do is speculate some more, speculate some more, watch film, get excited, and then uh, see what happens on draft day. And then they'll draft someone none of us pick they're going to draft. So. <laughs> All right, guys. It's time to watch some more film so you know what time it is. Let's chalk another one up.